0: Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love hosted by Richard Osler. In my home to be on the podcast is my friend Deanna Price. Welcome to the podcast, Deanna. Thank you. <laughs> um, Deanna is in her 40s. Um, she's a mother of four kids, lives in Providence, which is a beautiful city near Logan, Utah, in northern Utah. Um, she's divorced. She's been divorced a couple of years. Um, She has a long-term friend named Ryan who um, is no longer with us. He died around May 3rd of 2022. Um, Deanna is going to share the story of growing up with Ryan in Wayne County. Um, They're the same age in school, I believe. Um, She was in love with him, had a crush on him, um, later learned that he's gay. She got on with her life and Ryan got on with his life and And um, it's a beautiful kind of love story slash long-term relationship of just Deanna and Ryan staying connected. Um, And she'll just talk about this space in a way to honor Ryan, who's no longer here. She was asked to speak at Ryan's funeral. She was one of two speakers at the end of the podcast. We will actually splice in her talk from the funeral. We'll conclude with her funeral talk at Ryan's. Her talk at Ryan's funeral as a conclusion. But our hope is this podcast will, it may impact you in different ways than either of us thought of. We hope it will help um, you reach out to people that perhaps you knew from high school that you don't stay in as close contact with, that maybe you can continue those relationships, even if your lives are very different than they were in high school. Um, I think you two did a great job of staying in touch. It's also just a way to honor Ryan. Um, Perhaps if you're younger, LGBTQ, um, hearing Ryan's story helps change your trajectory as we have better support than perhaps Ryan had growing up in his day. Remarkable man, I think we'll learn about him. Is that okay for an introduction?
1: Wow, that was was great. (laughs) Yes, thank you.
0: We said a prayer. We invited Ryan, who's not with us, to be here somehow on the podcast and that his spirit will be felt. And this is a way to honor this good man. Um, that died alone. Yeah, he did. And no one should die alone. I don't fault Ryan, someone I don't know, but it's the reality of what some the roads some people walk.
1: Sure, sure. And any anyone can be in that circumstance.
0: <laughs> so I think this honors Ryan. So Deanna, um Diana, is tell us how you spell your first name, if it's two words or one word, so everybody can picture it in their mind.
1: <laughs> okay, so. The, I have to explain that it matches my maiden name. So, so my first name Deanna is spelled D E E A N N A, and my maiden name is Chapel C H A P P E L L. So my mom structured it with the double letters. It looked beautiful, especially when I went by the last name of Chapel. <laughs> so that's why I I just get a lot of letters. There's a lot going on from getting my name that. spelled right.
0: So now we have all got your name in our heads correctly. <laughs> wherever we are, but I'll just let you start.
1: Okay. Um, so I just, I want to make sure that as listeners, that people know that um, I'm still mourning the loss of my friend. And um, certainly that contributes to my desire to reflect and honor his life. Um, he's, he's been a really magnanimous <laughs> friend and very willing to let my story be told from my perspective, knowing that he had such an impact in my life. And I'm very, very grateful for that because he, he honors me and what the circumstance that it placed me in um, to be so involved as a best friend, maybe as a, as a high school crush. <laughs> um, we definitely were close and that, it was a beautiful thing. So um, I don't know how many of you have experienced life in a rural Utah town. It's beautiful life. <laughs> There's some things that are different about it. And I remember as a youth, people in the church or in the gospel were saying, you know, you need to be very, very careful about choosing your friends. And I remember thinking, how how can you be super careful about choosing your friends when you're choosing your friends in kindergarten? I mean, all of my friends, we we grew up in Wayne County together. So, you know, You're choosing your friends, but they're the people that are there with you. So um, I I was a good friend of Ryan's. And even at a young age, he was top of the class. He was always the smart one, always got chosen for the singing parts or the lead in the plays or (laughs) um, anything academic. It lent to his strength. He just was intellectually very, very powerful um, had a lot of capabilities. And I was young. I, I was in kindergarten and impressed by that. Impressed by Ryan. I remember, this is silly, but he one day got up to the chalkboard with a piece of chalk and drew a picture of a bird. And I just remember just thinking, wow, how does this guy know how to draw a bird? <laughs> it's a silly thing, but it he was impressing me even at five years old. So that there's the legacy <laughs> on the longevity of our friendship. Um, I wouldn't say that I had a crush on him early on. Not at all. I just recognized he was had gifts and talents that I v- valued and appreciated. And honestly, Ryan was the one that kind of initiated friendship, closer friendship with me. Um, and that just happened so naturally. It was just in school, just... The amount of hours you spend in the halls and having fun, but I think as he got older, maybe the guys in in our towns and area were not lending their friendship to him as strongly as he probably needed, and I think he found a lot of safety and comfort in friendship with me. Um, he definitely initiated what I felt like was a you know, this dating <laughs> aspect of our our relationship um he asked me to do the junior prom dance and it was very romantic and he planned to make sure our colors matched and um he the way that he treated me was always it was way beyond respect i mean he just genuinely loved me he didn't have to say it out loud it was evident to me um, and he would i mean later on of course he wrote me a lot of love letters um things that are i've never experienced that much candor and um genuine feeling expressed in letters that ryan would share with me um there were times when he had hurt my feelings and he would write me just a beautiful letter to apologize or it just felt like he consistently nurtured our friendship and our relationship and was very mature about it um, and i i genuinely appreciated that um, i brought one letter today that i thought i might share um, i've i've kept it to myself for all these years but um i i honestly know that ryan would be um fine if i shared it <laughs> um it's a letter that i i held on to um for about well i guess i received it when i was a sophomore in high school I did not know this letter was written by Ryan. It, he gave it to me anonymously. Um, the way that it came about, our seminary teacher asked us one day to um, either write to one of the missionaries that was serving from our stake or write a positive letter to someone in the high school. And he said, you can either sign it and give it to someone yourself. Or if you want to give this letter in an anonymous manner, he said, turn it into me. Leave your envelope unsealed. I'll I'll read it just to make sure it's appropriate. And then he said, "I will be the one to deliver the letter to whomever." And I remember, I just I thought, okay, well, I better write to one of these missionaries. And it was just kind of a random person I didn't really know, but I I did the assignment and I felt good about my efforts. Um, unbeknownst to me, um, Ryan was composing a letter to me. Um, he gave it to me anonymously. And it's beautiful. I'm going to go ahead and read that.
0: Please.
1: (laughs) Okay. It says, Dear friend, I am writing you this letter to let you know how much I appreciate you and your good standards and morals. For as long as I have known you, you've always been nice to everyone and always happy and always smiling. You've been a good example to me. And a lot of times I wish I could be more like you. I hope you'll always be such a good person and never let your standards down. I know I don't have to worry about that too much, though. I'm pretty sure you'll always be a super good person. Sometimes I get depressed and think think there's no good left in the world. But you are like a light in the dark. I hope you'll never change so I can always look back at you and feel better about the world. You really are one of the very best persons I've ever known. And he signed it. Thanks so much for everything.
2: What a great letter.
1: Oh, it really... Um,
2: What's the date on the letter?
1: February 27th,
0: 1990. So this is a 32-year-old letter. It
1: is, yeah.
0: Handwritten. I wish everybody could see it here. It's, <laughs> it's handwritten in a beautiful envelope. What a treasure.
1: Yeah, yep. So I held on to it. I didn't talk to anybody about it. Maybe, Maybe I told my sister and shared it with my family at home, but for a long time I thought... <laughs> It maybe was a girl that had written me the letter. I just thought, well, maybe it's somebody that doesn't necessarily want to bring me into their circle of friendship, but admires me from a distance, you know? And so maybe because I had this frame of mind that it must be from one of the girls, you know, um, I just, I don't know, maybe I didn't think a guy could write such a beautiful letter. (laughs) Sorry guys out there. (laughs) Just didn't think through that, but, um, my senior year of high school, I pulled the letter out and I just happened to be reading it carefully and still thinking about who might have written such a nice letter that it made me want to be the person that the letter described. You know, I, I didn't feel like I was always happy or always smiling, but it made me want to try to be this person. Um, and <laughs> I was reading it really carefully one day and let me see if I can find it. Um, just looking at the handwriting and right in the middle of one of the words was a capital letter A. The the letter is written, you know, normal, so that's not all in caps. But Ryan, his handwriting was always all in caps. And when I saw that capital letter A that looked just like every A that Ryan ever writes, I recognized this letter was from Ryan and I just, I was stunned. I thought it was beautiful. Um, And I discovered it right before Christmas and I was shy to talk to him about it. We were in a friendship, a relationship. We even shared a locker, you know, for several years in high school. We were just constantly together, but I didn't dare just bring up the letter and talk to him about it. So I thought, you know what? Right before Christmas break, I'll write him a letter back and let him know that I discovered that he made a mistake with his careful handwriting. He tried to mask what his handwriting is. And so I wrote to him about it in a little Christmas letter and gave it to him. And then that gave us two weeks to not see each other. And when we came back to school, he didn't say much about it. And I said, did you get my Christmas card? And he just winked at me and walked away. <laughs> and I knew like, okay. That's great. <laughs> yep. And, I'm, and maybe he didn't know or remember exactly what he wrote in that letter, but I think he thought it was cool that I discovered it, but also maybe he was a little shy about it too. We didn't, we didn't talk about it, but for me, it was a special thing that I discovered. This was from
2: Ryan. Love that. Yep. Keep telling us more about Ryan.
1: <laughs> um, so Ryan in high school was the smartest and everybody I feel would just say, yep, that's true. He just was living in his thoughts and in his intellectual world that, that reached way outside of our farming community it, in a profound way. He often would say like, I, I love Wayne County. Like he, Everybody loves the beauty of Wayne County. We all did. We knew it was special to grow up there, but he knew that he was not going to live there. I couldn't say that I knew that about myself, but, you know, Ryan just the world was so big and so impressive for him, and he he cared about so many things far outside of his life and our little world that we grew up in. Um, when we were in high school, yes, he was getting he was always getting perfect grades, did his homework, did everything as as he was you know asked to do. But beyond that, he would read these you know unabridged books that were just impressive, you know. And I realized, oh, his, his education is his because he's deciding what he wants to learn about and he'll take time and do that. He played the piano beautifully. He loved to go hiking. He didn't play in the high school sports and neither did I much. And maybe that brought us together a little bit that just because of time, <laughs> we had more time to do homework together, <laughs> which we did, you know, and I, I had Ryan helping me with all sorts of things. I'm not saying I'm dumb, <laughs> but I, I definitely used his help and he was, he was a great tutor. And I appreciated that our friendship wasn't just fun and games. We learned music together, we were singing together, and we played piano duets together. And um, the people in our stake, I don't know whose idea it was, but they brought an organist over from Richfield and encouraged all of us who played the piano to learn how to play the organ. And so Ryan and I both took these organ lessons together um, and uh, and that was probably when we were 16. So we were spending even more time outside of high school, just time being together. We would get on the organ and figure out how to make all the stops, (laughs) you know, produce cool sounds. And we were just always active in each other's intellectual pursuits, which made our friendship meaningful. I don't know. Um,
0: Tell our listeners about, I don't, you know, if you were writing in your journal, your honest thoughts, <laughs> but if you, did you, were you in love with Ryan and did you
1: hope to marry Ryan? That is a good, that's a good question. Um, yes, I'm, I'm certain there were, there were plenty of times when I felt like that was the natural flow of what, what, what we were both engaged in is that we had this Close friendship, and I always anticipated it was going to grow into more physical intimacy. At the right time for that, um, I always felt that Ryan absolutely loved me. He loved spending time with me alone, but we were so comfortable with each other in our in our alone space. I just felt so respected and genuinely so honored. You know, he. Um, would hold my hand we would dance close and i i felt all the <laughs> the chemistry and and he probably did too to some extent um it wasn't fabricated but i felt like a lot of that physical closeness holding hands and having his arm around me was a little bit more public than when we were alone together there was less of that and for a long time i was okay with that I, I really was fine. I just loved him. I loved our friendship. and the the stuff that we were engaged in doing was fun and compelling. But when I um turned eighteen, I, my birthday's in July, and it was time to head off to college, and Ryan had a, a scholarship to go to the University of Utah, and I was planning to go to Snow College. And I was facing this future of when Ryan and I were not going to be together every day. And I just felt like, you know, maybe when we get out from under our small town community, like, you know, the, the perceptions of other people, maybe when we have a little bit more independence and privacy, we're going to grow and develop this relationship to be more intimate for me. <laughs> and I remember just spending a lot of time with him up at the University of Utah. He, ended up renting a dorm room. So he was the only guy in his room. Didn't want to have any roommates disturbing his study time, which I respected. I thought that was cool. He could do that independently, but I I was spending time with him and realizing this is okay for Ryan. He's completely content with me being his best friend. And I had to do a lot of soul searching and really think like, what, what is this relationship for me and is it going anywhere? So simultaneously without any of that physical intimacy progressing, I was also seeing more and more that Ryan was stepping away from the church and taking both of those together, I, I could see he was not for me. There was no future of Ryan and Deanna together, you know, in a potential future marriage. And in some ways I was, I was learning to be okay with that. Taking, taking the possibility of, you know, progressing this relationship forward into a marriage. Uh, Amazingly was, I was okay with that, but what I was not okay with was stepping away from him at a time when I felt like he needed my moral leadership Sometimes that was my role, especially during our senior year of high school. And, and so I really was burdened um, how to still be a, a faithful friend to him and yet step away. Um, th- amazingly, throughout our friendship all these years, I would talk to Ryan about having a crush on other guys from time to time. And I'd say, oh, Ryan, what do you think about this guy? <laughs> and he'd say, no, he's not for you. <laughs> and we, we, we would just play around with that a little bit. Um, but I was open and it was, it was still an open subject that I had this intention to have other guys, but that intention, as much as I did want to be in love with somebody who loved me, I didn't know how to make that happen. And I recognized if all of my time, all of my free time and all of my emotional space is wrapped up with Ryan, there's not. Room for me to initiate or invite another, you know, potential romantic relationship in that emotional space where I was at. So I was already thinking, I need to spend less time with Ryan. I just have to. Now, knowing that that's what I needed to do and implementing that was two very different things because, like I've already told you, he was helping me with my schoolwork, he was my emotional friend that. If I had a bad day, he was the one I went to. And so it, I was praying for how to maybe unravel some of my own devotion to Ryan and do it ethically without leaving him without a friend or without support. It was kind of awkward because at that time, I, as much as it was probably good and wise for him to have rented the room and be alone up at the University of Utah, he really didn't have friends, close friends there. And we would address that. And he would say like, oh, maybe you could come up this weekend. I'm going to get all my homework done. I'll have, you know, this much time. And I don't have anywhere to go or anybody to be with. And so I, I could see where he was at. And recognizing if I pull back, then he is alone. And I, so I felt some obligation of loyalty. Um, all of this was transpiring in my mind and I'm sitting down at snow college, going to school. And one day I had, um, two, I think there were two guys that came and visited my class. I was in a human development class. Dr. Cragen was my professor. Um, and they were sort of soliciting or advertising for the international language programs. This was in October of 1993. And this international language program had just been formed as a nonprofit organization. And these BYU guys were just a couple of years older than me. They came into class, said a little bit about what the opportunity was. At the time, I believe they only had two cities for this organization where they were um, taking um, volunteer English teachers over to Russia, to Moscow, and also to the city of Voronezh. And allowing the volunteer English teachers to live with a Russian family for six months um, and then go to the school and teach kids for three hours, five days a week. And they're telling me about going to Russia. And I'm just, I'm like, who goes to Russia? No one? Like, how how come I'm even thinking about this? But honestly, their message just hit my heart. And I just thought, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to finish this year, this, I mean, not this year, the quarter of college at the end of December. I am literally going to go to Russia and teach these little kids. It's what I need. I, I need that. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and I was, you know, I could only think of the ease and the fun of being with children. And I wasn't thinking of it's snowing pretty seriously in January in Russia. <laughs> and had no idea really what it would look like but I i felt over the years that it really was the answer to my prayers it was a spiritual prompting it the thought of it wouldn't leave me um I the first person I talked to about it was Ryan <laughs> I called him that night and I said Ryan I'm thinking about going to Russia and he just started laughing at me he's like what are you going to do in Russia? <laughs> and I said, no, it, I'm serious. I said, it, it's this organization based in Provo, Utah. These guys, have, it used to be a former BYU program and BYU discontinued it as um, a study abroad program. And so some of the people who had been on the program through BYU just created it as um, a nonprofit organization, Dr. McKee, um, was the director? He was a BYU professor, and it was his little baby. He just wanted to keep sending Latter Day Saints into Russia, and it honestly was just amazing. It it was cool, and it was a lot of hard work. But so I'm telling Ryan, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go, and the first conversation I had with him is he said, "Well, I want to go with you. You have to wait," and I said, "What? No, I'm not going to wait." <laughs> I said, "I'm going to go in January," and and we talked about. How, how we could make it possible for him to come with me. And I remember thinking, okay, that would be so fun. Like Ryan and I would have a great time. <laughs> but in that, he had to stay at the University of Utah and take that scholarship that was offered to him. It just, it wasn't practical. And it, in the end, I, I needed that separation. I needed some space and not to say anything Negative that our, our first initial re- reaction to each other was, let's go together. <laughs> um, That's how we did life adventures. We did them together. <laughs> so that was the first time to kind of break through that.
0: Um, and then listeners, um, Deanna served a mission in Moscow. So she's lived in Russia twice.
1: Three times, actually.
0: Three times. Yep, I did it in
1: 1994, again in 1995 with international language programs. And then I decided to serve a mission and I had no idea that I was going to be sent back to the same mission boundaries. I mean, that branch that I had been attending in 1994 and 1995 was part of the Moscow mission.
0: That's cool. So so I was cool. so
1: happy to be back as a missionary.
0: <laughs> that is really cool. Um, thanks for your service and blessing people in Russia and you and Ryan talking about this. I'd like to fast forward to the very end. Not the very, very end, but the Facebook post. I'd love you to read that. So we're skipping, you know, about twenty plus years because you come up your mission in Russia from Russia ninety eight, I believe. Yep. And Ryan died in twenty twenty two, so that's twenty four years. But if you'd read your Facebook post, okay. um, I think you posted this right as you learned that Ryan had passed away. That might be helpful for our listeners, and then. It might give us context to then circle back on sure. these twenty plus years.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's great. Um, I wrote this post. I before I posted it, I definitely recognized that Ryan's parents and his sister and brother hadn't posted about his death, and I felt,
2: I don't know, a little <laughs> timid about
1: about sharing it publicly, but it was. What happened was so special to me that I just felt like um I I wanted to share it. It um it includes my testimony. And that to me is important to share and to share honestly. So um it's a good summary <laughs> of this friendship with Ryan. I wrote, have you ever had someone in your life who represented all the things, depth and distance and closeness and meaning and constancy and beauty and ambiguity? and I could go on. I guess love is as tangled and nuanced as all the shows and all the books combined. For my growing up years, Ryan was there, kindergarten through college, and on into Russia in the form of letters. The last time we were together was last summer. We spent the afternoon in Bicknell and Tory. As we drove around, he reminded me of his old house, and we talked about our mutual friends. We went for a drive, and I made him visit the town cemeteries with me. We walked and talked about life and dying and everything in between. I'm so grateful for Ryan's love and presence in my life. He took me to all the dances. We did homework together. We learned to play the organ together. We had a favorite duet that we liked to play on the piano. While I was at Snow College, I got to visit him often at the University of Utah and see him excel at so many cool things. He taught me how to send an email and just in time to for me to send emails to him from russia which he would print and then mail to my parents he was my lifeline kids these days just wouldn't understand how truly awesome email was and i believe that (laughs) it really was revolutionary (laughs) um ryan championed my daring adventure to go to russia he frankly wanted to come with me but he had accepted a prestigious scholarship at the u he had to stay put and carry on In so many ways, I needed to figure out how to go on and live without relying on Ryan. Looking back, I'm sure God knew all the reasons why I needed both time and distance and all the experiences that I had in Russia. I loved Ryan and I didn't know how to unlove him. Everything was complicated, but Russia stepped in and saved the day. Or I stepped into it. I asked Ryan a few years ago if I could write a memoir and write about us. He wholeheartedly and enthusiastically cheered my progress, and he got to read every word of my draft. I really did work on it. <laughs> I never wrote the ending, but I did tell him how I would conclude such an ambitious storytelling project. Ryan knew the apex as well as I did. After I had returned home from my mission in February 1980, sorry, 1998, I drove up to the U of U, looking for a professor who had taught me at Snow College and I was wandering on campus searching for the Humanities Building, and although I wasn't lost, I didn't know where I was. I saw a guy walking up ahead of me and recognized that if I kept up my pace, our sidewalk was coming to a T, and I decided that I would stop the guy and ask him for directions. Instead of walking up and asking a stranger for directions, I walked right into Ryan's hug. (laughs) We were both so astounded by each other, Ryan thought, that I was still in Moscow, and truthfully, Ryan was the only person I knew besides that professor in the entirety of Salt Lake City. Ryan and I spent the rest of the day together. He took me to lunch and to his house, and then to his art museum where he worked. We laughed and talked and rejoiced in God's gifting us one perfect day to be together. We needed that day, and God knew it, so he gave it to us. I have lots of questions that I intend to ask Heavenly Father when I get the chance. And if he asks me, Deanna, what do you think was your biggest problem in life? I might say that I loved people too much, and then we'll probably both smile and agree. (laughs) Lastly, an hour after I heard the news of Ryan's passing tonight, I sat in my living room with tears streaming down my face. And then I looked up and saw the most gorgeous rainbow filling my entire backyard. It was such a perfect, personalized, radiant, and lovely gift from a loving Heavenly Father. It will never be forgotten and was as special to me as Ryan was himself. May he rest in peace until we meet again.
2: It's a beautiful post. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I have to believe somehow that people on the other
0: side can read these sort of things. Like your Facebook post, this podcast. I've given the opening prayer at a funeral of a dear neighbor friend where I welcomed him to his own funeral. I just talked directly to him, Um, felt impressed to do that, and just, of course, he's here, and welcome to your funeral. We hope that we can honor you today, and I don't know if that's doctrine or just my feeling, um, but I think we don't know a lot about the next life, and I think um, people on the next life are hurting even if they're back with their heavenly parents and all the joy of being in heaven, they're still separated from people they
1: love. And they're in a new situation again. Life has changed.
0: (laughs) And so I think it, just like that letter, there's two things sitting on our podcast table, that handwritten letter that Ryan wrote to you and a copy of your Facebook post that you wrote to him. And there's something symbolic about They're both, you're not sure if the other person's going to know who sent it or if it's going to be read. But I have to think just like that letter that you've held on all these years and has given you so much hope and comfort and vision for yourself that Ryan gifted you, that your Facebook post, your talk at his funeral that we'll have at the end of this podcast, this podcast honors Ryan and helps him feel seen and loved and that he isn't forgotten. Yeah. And that you and others remember um, Ryan and all the good things he did and represented. Um, sounds like you could have married Ryan. <laughs> um, and it sounds like him going in a different direction in the church, um, you know, especially when you got home from your mission. Talk about him being gay. When did you sort of connect the dots that he's gay?
1: Yeah, that's and That's sometimes
0: a, when you learn that layer of the story you recognize back in high school some of the dots that weren't connecting because right. he yeah. was gay so talk uh, share that story with our
2: listeners
1: okay um it, you know i'm sure i'm sure people who know me and have known me for years would probably be very interested to know how i how i learned that ryan was gay and and what my reaction was um and it's not something I've shared a lot, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it, it was hard. It was,
2: it was um, in some ways, it, it was
1: natural for me to understand that about him. It fit, you know, the picture came into clarity. And so there's that side of it. But I was so wrapped up emotionally with my own um, experiences and hopes and the chemistry I felt with him and, and the love letters. Um, we've, we've got two sitting here. There's about 100 in between that were exchanged between Ryan and I. And, and um, so let me get into the details a little bit. Uh, when Ryan and I uh, were 16 years old, and we were taking these organ lessons. We were spending quite a bit of time. I, I know that I had a key to the chapel there in Lyman, and I was told by my bishop that I could go in and practice the organ anytime. They trusted me with the key and said it's good if you can have one or two, uh, you know, people with you. But if you can't, just go while it's light outside. Don't stay deep into the night. But but if it's dark, then take someone with you and. Of course, Ryan was the person who came with me a lot. And um, one night after we were we'd locked up the church, we got back in the car. And instead of turning on the car, Ryan just said, I, I really want to talk to you. We we need to talk. And we'd been laughing and playing, and things got all serious. And I said, Okay, well, yeah, let's talk. And he <laughs> he just said, Deanna, I really I want you to know, and you need to know that I'm never gonna get married. And I was kind of stunned. I was like, what do you mean you're not going to get married? And in that moment I thought, okay, he's trying to tell me he's he loves me but he doesn't love me enough to marry me, okay? So I'm thinking, okay, well, that clears the air pretty good. Let's not get married. Let's just be friends. Done. <laughs> Conversation's done. I I yeah, there's no obligation. You don't have to marry me, I don't have to marry you. We're just 16. We're just going to be friends. But I said so but I was processing it out loud and unfiltered, I guess. And I just said, so so what does that mean? Like, are you just going to live alone? And he said, you've ever heard of the hunchback of Notre Dame? <laughs> I was like, okay, funny. And he's like, oh, <laughs> I all I all I know, and I guess we just left it with that much language around it, that he was never going to get married. Now, for me, I interpreted that conversation as him saying, you and I are never going to get married. I couldn't formulate what he was getting at or even why he made so much of a serious and conscientious effort to create this serious conversation about that because I just thought, no, you'll get married. And I remember thinking, You'll probably marry somebody who's blonde and super cute and is a good artist. <laughs> somebody different than me. Okay, that's fine. But meanwhile, let's just still be friends. Um, we talked about that years later, probably maybe 10 or 11 years later. I sent an email to Ryan and we talked about that conversation. And in my email to him, he was living in New York City with his partner at the time. And, um. I just, whenever I wanted to talk to Ryan, I just send him an email. <laughs> I would ask him for his phone number every once in a while and just say, What's your current phone number? <laughs> I just need to have a conversation every once in a while. I just call him up or out of the blue, send a lengthy email, which is what this was. And I in my email I just said, Ryan, I I want you to know that I recognize that you tried to communicate with me. I, I recognized you were doing your best to let me know of your life and intentions, and that you did your part, but I was too young, too naive, too wrapped up in my own interpretations, and how that was going to impact me personally, to recognize what you were saying. And I said, I, I feel bad I probably in the moment didn't allow for us to expand that conversation, but maybe he nor I were capable of, of, expanding it beyond what that was. And, but I thanked him. I said, I, I appreciate that. And I recognize you made that effort to communicate with me. And that means a lot. And the way that I found out, maybe that was where the question started. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's a long story. Um, I knew that he wasn't living the gospel. He spent some time in Paris, France. He was studying there. Um, in 1995 while I was in Russia he was in Paris which was kind of fun for us to both be out in big glamorous cities doing grown-up things Um, and I saw him in December of 1995 went to his home with his parents and his family and um, we were sharing photos and talking and I told him about my two boyfriends that I had simultaneously, which was a disaster. And um, and we laughed and joked. And and I said, you know, like, okay, show me who your friends were. And we were just flipping through pictures. And, and, I, and he, we didn't talk about it. We didn't elaborate. But I recognized that there was a particular guy in a lot of his pictures with him. And I just thought, oh, gosh, he looks like such a cool, smart artist. You know, Ryan was always in the art scene. And and I, I honestly didn't think much of it other than that must have been a great friend for Ryan. And, and we just enjoyed each other's company and left it kind of where it was at. And um, so that was 1995. We weren't spending a lot of time together, even though I was back in Utah. Um, I, I, <laughs> I knew that I still needed enough distance from Ryan so that I could have other guy friends. Um, and so, yes, Ryan was always available to talk with me, to be my support, to be my friend. I felt bad that I didn't, I didn't feel like I had that to give to Ryan in the same way that he had that availability for me. And that went through our whole life, you know, after high school, he was always available to be the shoulder to cry on, or my support, and it's not like I talked to him often. But when I did, I would just cut to the chase and say, "These are the things I'm dealing with in my life. What do you think about this? What advice do you have for me?" Or, and he always had great insights and positive things to um, to uplift me. Whether he could do any, he couldn't do anything about my situations in life. But he, it was a great sport, always, always a beautiful friend for me. Um, so I get home from my mission, skipping ahead. Now it's 1998. I still do not know that Ryan is gay. I just know that he's not living the gospel. Okay. He's got friends and people that he's um, spending time with at the University of Utah. I get home from my mission. We have this chance encounter. I, had, I wasn't looking to find Ryan that weekend that I was up in Salt Lake City. But God put him on my path and sort of said, "Look, you two, you need some time <laughs> to be together. That's how I see God's intervention in our friendship. just you guys need to process, and you need to have some time, some quality time together. And man, I just I can't when I think about Heavenly Father doing that for both of us, for Ryan and I, that was such a pivotal um, thing for us to randomly (laughs) find each other. And he had time in his day and I was there and we spent probably six or seven hours together. I told Brian at that time, I said, look, I've got this guy from my mission that wants to date me when I get home. And that's going to be in a couple months. And Ryan said, "Okay, well, you know the policy. I have to approve first. <laughs> Can't just have any random guy in love with you. Now can we?" <laughs> and so he was teasing and said, "I I want to meet your guy as soon as he gets back. You bring him up to Salt Lake City. We've got it. I've got to meet your this new crush that you've got going and as I said, okay, okay, yeah, let's let's do it for sure. And Ryan told me that we had a mutual friend who was also there at the University of Utah and I didn't have time on that trip to go see my other friend. This other friend is actually a super special person to both Ryan and I. She was a Japanese exchange student and lived down in Wayne County with Ryan's uncle. And so she was a super close family component with Ryan and a good friend of mine. And so he said, I'm sure Causeway wants to see you and meet this guy too. So come back up and we'll do this. So I left Ryan, we didn't really talk, but we had had that big long day together. When my um, missionary guy came home, I said, okay, you're home. Now you've got to go meet my best friend, Ryan. <laughs> and so we hop in the car and I'm sure he's thinking, why do we go, have to go meet your old boyfriend? <laughs> why is this so imperative? And I just said, it is important. Um, <clears throat> we go into Ryan's home up, I guess, in the avenues. And we're sitting there on the couch and I- I'm holding hands with this new boyfriend. Who I ended up marrying, and Ryan sitting across from me <laughs> on the couch opposite. Where it was awkward; it was so awkward for all of us. And we only stayed for a few minutes. And Ryan's like, "Okay, well, um, I guess that's that." It was just a a brief, weird moment to be all together, the three of us. And we went back out to the car, and we literally just closed the car doors. And and my husband had said to me. Okay, that was weird. And I was like, well, it didn't need to be as awkward as it turned out to be. And he said, no. He said, I I feel like you should have told me that he was gay. And I just looked at him and I was like, you know what? That's rude. I said, Ryan is an artist. He's an intellectual guy. He's super smart. That's rude for you to jump to that conclusion. And he was looking at me (laughs) and just said, but he is, isn't he? And I just sat there in silence. I was like, this is weird for me. That's, that's the first time anybody's just pointedly said something like that about Ryan. And so I'm processing, I'm thinking about it. We end up driving to my friend, Kazue. Her name is Kazue, Kashiwagi, very Japanese. Um, we go to her apartment. She opens the door, gives us a hug, invites us in. And she sits me down on the couch and she says, Deanna, I'm so glad to see you. You just look amazing. This is, it's been a lot of years. But she said, how does it feel now that you know that Ryan is gay?
2: And I just, I was stunned. And I said, what, what do you mean? And she said, Deanna, you, you need to know, like Ryan's openly
1: gay. Everybody knows Deanna. And she said, I wondered if he told you when he saw you, you know, a few weeks prior. He said she she was kind of disappointed that Ryan didn't tell me. But <laughs> I wasn't ready to receive that information from him directly. Um and I honestly, I'm so Grateful for those two friends in my life back to back on the same day, just told me and just cut through the mystery. <laughs> um, it, it's a weird thing. Denial is a weird part of our processing, part of our psyche. I, I don't understand it, but it sometimes outsiders can see things that people in dynamics can't see themselves. Um, that's um a kind of a mystery to me maybe i should have come to those conclusions myself but i just didn't and i don't i think when i was young i felt so stupid i was like oh wow well if everybody can know this and everybody it's just obvious to everybody i must be really stupid just dumb and naive and i
2: <laughs> i really didn't honor
1: or respect my own um, naivety, I guess. But more than anything, I mean, as the years went by, I, I recognized that that kind of naivety is a beautiful thing.
2: It's, it's a sacred um,
1: part of our processing, and, and it's okay. It's perfectly fine. Um, we all have... Perceptions and thoughts and ideas and and we, we get involved with people in situations that that maybe we can't see, maybe we're withheld from information that we're just not ready to process, or maybe we're given a gift of time for whatever reason our psyche kind of withholds things from us to allow us some space or time for growth. so um, I <laughs> maybe Ryan could have just held my hand and looked me in the eye and maybe he could have told me that. I don't fault him for not doing that. You know, we had that day to be together and we were like kids. We just wanted to play. We just wanted to have fun and talk and joke around and that's okay too.
0: Let me ask you, let's do two more segments. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a great segment of grace, just that maybe even though Ryan wanted to have the conversation, it was just a great day that you'll always remember. You have a smile on your face as you remember that day. And It was a transition point as you were falling in love and getting married. And and Ryan has gone a different path that maybe it's grace and not your head in the sand. I don't think you have your head in the sand. It just wasn't time. But do do a segment on just um, eventually you're going to have this conversation with Ryan that he's gay, mm-hmm. and I'd love you just to talk about you know that conversation. And then you spent twenty plus years, you know, it doesn't sound like your relationship with Ryan ended.
1: <laughs> so, no, it never ended. So and
0: tell us and try to keep that because I want to leave time to add sure. your talk. So try to okay. do that in about five minutes sure. if you can.
1: Sure. Um, So we didn't talk about it. Ryan ended up moving to New York city around the exact same time that I got married. So big, big transitional changes for both of us, um, happened. And then I didn't, I didn't talk to him for a year, probably, um, not even an email or I don't, I can't think that I did. Um, but his younger brother was getting married and I knew Ryan was coming back for the wedding. And I just wanted to see him. I just, whatever was going to happen between us, it didn't matter. I was going with the purpose to see Ryan. Yes, I was, I was happy to be with the family, but I invited my husband to come with me. I had my baby girl <laughs> um, in my arms. So this is about probably a year and 15 months later. I don't remember when he got married, the younger brother, but I had my child in my arms, right? Little baby. And I told my husband, "You better. I'm going. If you want to come, you better come along. <laughs> That's just the way it is." And I saw him at this wedding reception, and we just hugged. We just we didn't talk about the changes that had happened. We just hugged each other right there on the spot. I sat with him at the little um, cultural hall table, and we passed my daughter back and forth between between us, and it was just. We just moved on and we just let, let things go. And I'm so grateful for that, that from both of us. We just brought back the friendship we always had instantaneously. It was natural and we didn't need to talk in process in that moment. And like I said, I let a lot of years go by and it was probably close to 2010 when I just wrote a, a long email and, and said, look, here's... My perspective on on this um, issue, I guess, and how how it's impacted me in positive ways. And here's some of the things that were hard for me. And I just sort of put it out there for Ryan, and he wrote me back and said, "I'm so glad we're talking about this." For him and I both, I think it was a relief to really get back into it and do a lot more processing. And I know we exchanged a bunch of emails, and then we. Just called each other and talked on the phone for an hour or so, and and ultimately the message from from me and from him to each other is unconditional love. I love you. I respect you. I'm so grateful you're in my life. We're lucky to have each other. That was how we always felt.
0: That was a great segment. Um, I. I wish Ryan could come on the podcast. And, Me too. <laughs> and talk about how nervous he was slash excited to see you and uh, how much your relationship still meant to him. And here you're married and he's in New York and he's gay and you're married and there's a lot of space between you. He's out of the church, you're in the church. And I would guess as he boarded that flight for his brother's wedding, he's nervous. Yeah. And I have to think that that hug you gave him said a lot.
1: Well, and maybe the hug was initiated by him. It's hard to say in these situations. But it was a hug and, it you're, was. <laughs> and you're
0: sharing your child Yeah. and he's holding and seeing your baby and that sends a message about how you feel about him. Sure. I love the line he shared with you. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Um. And that's where you give yourself grace and everybody needs to give their self grace. Some of us just don't have the vocabulary, the experience, the tools to talk about this. But I think Ryan is, I think you both were doing your best when he first opened up at age 16 about, I, I won't ever get married. And I think you did the best you could. Yeah. But I think one of the blessings of this podcast is hopefully when the Ryan's in our life, male or female, um, open up and sort of give those. There's obviously something way down at the bottom of the iceberg of that comment, and right. not everybody would have the tools to get to the bottom of the iceberg. But that's one of the purposes of this podcast is so that we all have more tools to be able to get to the bottom of the iceberg of people that we love. Sure. So we can talk about them, the realities of their life. And maybe that wasn't ever the plan. So you two could have this time together. I have to think Ryan's life is better because of these wonderful years the two of you had together, and I don't want to say this is everybody's story, but not having to process the reality of Ryan's sexual orientation was a way you know in a way kept your a beautiful love story, even though it wasn't born in just pure chemistry together. It's a beautiful love yeah, story for sure um.
1: you know, know, there were years that I pitied myself and thought, oh, poor me. (laughs) I've had such traumatic experiences with my boyfriends and trying to date and navigate and figure it out. But I am so glad the spirit just shifted my perspective and said, whoa, hold up. You have nothing, nothing to be, to disregard or be ungrateful about. You had a beautiful person in your life that was so willing to support and love and cherish you and honor you. And I just, I realized, okay, I don't want to go down that road of wishing things were different in some way. For me, I, I just had to flip that entirely and look for the gifts that Ryan was offering me with that friendship and for my own perspective to shift and say, I'm learning, <laughs> learning a lot. About just life and people in general,
0: and I'm just—it takes courage to. I mean, it'd be easy just to not connect. I just love that you continue to use email, and I love that then you had these. I think you said 2010, so a decade of sort of Ryan being authentic mm-hmm. with who he is, and the reality of his life, and your friendship, um, staying part of his life, and then. Sp- You know, we're going to play, once two of us sign off, we're going to splice in your talk at his funeral as the final segment. Um, I have to think that it's wonderful the family invited you to speak, one of the two speakers. I think, you know, you were maybe, I don't want to I don't know this, but one of the few people from Ryan's growing up years that stayed in contact with him and just sort of had this relationship with him. And. And that's a gift to Ryan. And I think it's our joint hope is that, I mean, my hope, the, the podcast guest before you that I think will be released before you named Justin, he's gay, he's 34, and he just said, I hope my story, and it really stuck with me, changes. He's been through conversion therapy in a really difficult road. Um, and Ryan's older than him. I don't know if Ryan went through any of that, but it's just really hard. To be gay, as you know, from your friend Ryan, um, sometimes it's even harder in a smaller community. To be in a conservative religion, it's just harder. It doesn't mean conservative religions are bad. It's just harder. Right. We don't have tools sometimes. And Justin said, "I hope my story changes trajectory and softens hearts." And so I'm thinking of all. The 16-year-olds right now, they're gay or lesbian or trans, and the people like you that step forward so that we all have better tools when they sort of do the best they can to sort of signal the reality of their life because they need people to walk with them. I think Ryan, I don't know, but my guess is if you, if this conversation we're having 20, if you were 16 years old now, um. Ryan would have better tools to come out to you. You would have better tools to understand what he's saying, and you could walk together. Right. This friendship changes. You know, you're know, you not going to marry him at 16 instead <laughs> of after your mission, um, but it would be still a beautiful love story. You could kind of walk together. And I think maybe that's my hope in listening to your story, Deanna, is that we do a better job of walking with each other right. in the realities of their life.
1: Well, and, and, and even with other Ryan's issues, not alone. right, right. Even with other issues, and um, any kind of anything that we're, we're facing in life that's causing us a lot of distress, if we can put words to it and articulate and share that burden with another person, it, it makes a huge impact. Our, our words are really powerful we, we need them. <laughs> and like you say, sometimes we don't have the tools. And, um, I, I remember f- feeling very isolated in my own circumstances. I didn't know any other girls who had been in love with a so, gay guy. I, I didn't know how to talk about that with my other friends and just. So and some
0: would say, well, duh, didn't you know, or like, right. And that's and you super could be unhelpful. Yep, it can be really shaming. Like, what were you, you know? Duh.
1: Right. <laughs> but but in that, I felt defensive. Like, look, if you want to read the love letters that he wrote me to prove that he loved, you know what I mean? I I felt like I I've, I've, I definitely felt this alone. This
0: wasn't an alternate reality. This was real for both of you.
1: It was real. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and maybe what we what. We hoped for our own lives was different, you know, and we both wanted to be loved. We both wanted our friendship to be strong and reliable, but we had different ideas and notions as to what that was going to look like in the future.
0: And it's possible that, you know, a lot of the youth that are closeted are in very difficult places emotionally. And it's possible that your role in Ryan's life and others kept him alive during these years yeah um and he'll have a maybe he's told you that or maybe I'll have a chance to tell you that, but I have to think your friendship with him um, even though it didn't turn out like you kind of thought it could at age mm-hmm. sixteen significantly made you both better people
1: a hundred percent
0: um Ryan Mar. Our world is, less off, is worse off without you. And I, I think in your closing segment, we'll hear that. Um, but your gifts to make this world a better place. And I'm honored to have heard a little bit about you from your friend, Deanna. And to our LGBTQ friends listening, this world is a better place with you here. And you have great gifts and attributes. And that's one of the things Deanna has honored Ryan in, is just all of his gifts and attributes and goodness and great heart and empathy, and kindness, and compassion. Um, What a terrific man, and our world is a little dim with Ryan being gone. And my hope is that we do a better job of supporting the Ryans of today and helping them feel like they belong, they're needed, they're valued, and their gifts and contributions help us create Zion. We just have work to do. Um, Any closing thoughts before we end with your talk at his funeral? (laughs)
1: Um, I just want to say that, and I don't know if I've conveyed it as deeply as I as I hope to. Um, I have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I just I'm so grateful for um, the accounts that we have from the New Testament that talk about Christ's ability to love those on the fringes. I just it resonated with me as a young girl. I have a super empathetic heart, <laughs> and I'm always looking for those on the margins. How can I support? How can I love? Um, I, I want to emulate the Savior, and I love him for who he is and his abilities. But I, I do want to state that, <laughs> even with good intentions, we're still human. Um, I, I. Invested so much love into my friendship with Ryan. And in many ways, there was so much good and so much beauty. And of course, as I'm honoring his legacy, that's what I hold on to were all the good things that came to me. But without a doubt, it was hard. It was hard to stay close. It was hard to be close sometimes.
2: And the interesting thing is, in the Book of Mormon, it talks about
1: um, praying for the gift of charity. That if you can't love people, then, then get on your knees and pray for that expanded gift to come to you so that you have charity, um, so that's operating in your life. And amazingly, I spent time on
2: my knees praying to... Um,
1: be able to pull my love back (laughs) from Ryan um, so that I could move forward in healthy ways with other relationships. And that's a weird position to be in when your heart is so willing to love. Christ can love everyone. He knows us all perfectly. And he's he's the son of God. He has gifts and abilities that we here in our mortal sphere, sphere, we don't have that he has he can make us stronger he can teach us how to love he can teach us how to love ourselves and to process and think about our own needs and give us guidance and direction as much as we want to always be a support to other people that comes at a cost to get emotionally wrapped up um, with all sorts of relationships but Heavenly Father sent His beloved Son to teach us, to give us strength, enhance our capacities, give us understanding, comfort. I
2: feel that my friendship with Ryan
1: would be incomplete without the Savior as my leader. He's my my leader. He teaches me how to honor And respect others, honor and respect myself and my own limitations, my own inadequacies. And
2: I'm so grateful for the even the thought
1: that our Savior is waiting to welcome all of us back. He loves us all. I know he loves Ryan. I know he loves me. I know he understood the tension and the difficulty and
2: the things that we were facing. He loves us.
1: He honors us. And we're going to make mistakes with each other. We're not always going to get it right. I wasn't always a perfect friend for Ryan. He wasn't always a perfect friend for me. There's enough good to bless
2: our lives in beautiful ways. I, it's, it will always be my gift and treasure. To think about Ryan and the things he gave to me in the way of words and friendship. He was amazing. Thank you, Deanna Price, for
0: letting us know about Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. I don't know if you can listen to this or somehow are aware of what's being said about you. We're grateful to have honored you. My life is a little bit better hearing about you. And our listeners share the same. And now, um, the last segment, and I won't say any more words after this point, is your talk at Ryan's funeral. Thank you, listeners, for joining us.
1: Fiona Calden asked me if I could share some words, and <laughs> I thought so much about Ryan and what, what kind of message I could leave that would be <laughs> worthy of him. <laughs> He was a beautiful person, just absolutely wonderful. But I knew I didn't want to cry the entire way, so I found something great that I could share. This is by the great Russian author, Fyodor Dostoevsky. And through Ryan and his incredible love for books, I've actually learned to open a few myself and enjoy reading. Um, This one is just so fun. It says, if you wish to glimpse inside a human soul and get to know a man, don't bother analyzing his ways of being silent, of talking, of weeping, of seeing how much he is moved by noble ideas. You will get better results if you just watch him laugh. If he laughs well, he's a good man. (laughs) And we all know that Ryan had the best laugh. (laughs) Um, I had the pleasure of growing up here in uh, beautiful Wayne County. And I was in the same class as Ryan. So I have memories of him as far back as kindergarten. And as I look around me, um, I can see many others who have had similar childhood memories of Ryan. Uh, Ryan and I shared a close bond, which grew into a beautiful romance. He was my person whom I turned to for help and advice and encouragement. (laughs) And as all lovers know, not all romances have the same destiny. There's a wonderful verse of scripture <laughs> that gets at the heart of my feelings on that point, And it's this. All these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. And I believe that. I'm so happy <laughs> to see so many of you here today gathered to express our love that we have in our hearts for Ryan and for his family. He loved the beautiful things in this world. He loved great art and music and literature. He had a deep and pensive soul, and an openness to life and diverse perspectives. His reach crossed continents and oceans, the rich and the poor, the ancient and modern. He has friends and associates from every walk of life. And I have no doubt that we each know and can feel to this day how much Ryan cared for each one of us. And I speak for all of us when I say that to know him is to love him in return. I have a wonderful poem. about friendship I think that God will never send a gift so precious as a friend a friend who always understands and fills each need as it demands whose loyalty will stand the test when skies are bright or overcast who sees the faults that merits blame but keeps on loving just the same who does far more than creeds could do to make us good to make us true earth's gifts a sweet contentment lend but only God can give a friend Since Ryan's passing, I've been reminded by numerous friends of the impact he's had on um, those of us who grew up with him. He was so genuinely intelligent, and it went way beyond getting good grades in school. He was sharp and witty and goal-oriented and talented. He read giant-sized, unabridged unabridged books (laughs) and sought to understand deep and complex issues. I truly believe that through his example, he helped me and many others see a bigger and wider world of possibilities. I've tried to imagine my life without Ryan, and I'm satisfied that not only would I be missing something sacred and profound in him, but I would not have that reflection in me. There's not enough time in this moment for me to recount um, some amazing miracles regarding Ryan. I've experienced miracles with Ryan and because of Ryan. One definition of a miracle is a surprising and improbable event or development that brings welcome consequences. Here's another (laughs) definition about miracles. Miracles can be symbolic and are tokens of God's omniscience in His acts of deliverance and love, often occurring in the very moment in our time of need. That's how I've experienced miracles. I'm in awe of the many witnesses that I have received of God's love for each of us. He knows us all individually and perfectly and wants us to be shaped and molded by our life experiences. We are here to learn. And life lessons are designed to be hard and produce growth in each of us. When things get just a little too dark and challenging, God can send us a ray of light, a guiding star, a silver lining to look back on, and even a rainbow in the sky. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Ryan was all of that and more for me. I really do believe that God orchestrates our circumstances and gives us just exactly what we need. And I love when our needs are met, when along comes a friend with uplifting words of encouragement and a smile. There's another wonderful poem that I found that captures the essence of a friend. It's called The Human Touch. Tis the human touch in this world that counts, the touch of your hand and mine, which means far more to the fainting heart than shelter and bread and wine. For shelter is gone when the day is o'er, and bread lasts only a day, but the touch of the hand and the sound of the voice, sing on in the soul always. The last time that I was with Ryan was here, right here. He was here last summer to visit his family and shared a day with me and some of our friends from our class. And I i have an obsession about going to cemeteries. I really enjoy walking through and reading the names and histories. And I, I find them fascinating but sacred. But right, and I spent an hour right here. Sometimes we talked about our lives, and sometimes we talked about others. I wish I could say that we felt profound feelings or talked about spiritual things, and I can't say that we did. It was just a pleasant moment to walk and talk and be together, like so many we had had before. If I had known it would be my last time, I would have thanked him for helping me feel beautiful and loved. I would have thanked him for his kind letters and notes that he's given me over the years. I would have told him how much he's influenced my life for good. Maybe those things went unsaid, but I think they were implicit in our hearts. And now when I come back to visit Ryan's grave, I can look back on the final hour of our time together and know that it was here, right on heaven's doorstep. When Tiona shared the news that Ryan had passed, she sent me a text message and said, Deanna, please call me. And I got home and took some time before I called her. And I was in my bedroom and she shared the news. And I began to cry, of course. <laughs> and I stayed in my bedroom. And my shutters, my windows were closed and I just wanted to stay in there for a long time and I heard my daughter come in through the front door of the house and I'd like to try and be a good mom. (laughs) Go greet my kids and tell them I'm happy to see them at the end of the day and so I dried up my tears and went out to see my daughter and she was the first that I told that my friend Ryan had died. I've talked to my kids all these years about Ryan. I think they're probably tired of hearing about Ryan. (laughs) He's so special to me. But in that moment, I started getting text messages from friends and people that had heard the news of Ryan's passing and were reaching out to me to make sure I had heard and knew that I was going to be experiencing some sadness and grief. And I sat down on my couch to start answering and responding to my friends. And I looked up and that window was open. And it was so faint, but I just looked up and saw this rainbow just appearing in the sky. And I couldn't hardly believe it was happening. Opened the door, stood out in the rain and watched this huge rainbow fill up my entire sky. I'm so grateful for that moment. It's one of my miracles because of Ryan. Last of all, I just want to say that if a loving God wanted to let me know that he was there in my hour of need and that he wished to honor the love that Ryan and I had for each other, he sent his message more perfectly and more beautifully than I could possibly imagine. God is love, and I will praise and honor him forever in the name of his beloved Son and our friend and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.